1: financials future rich podcast I am Barbara Ginty your host and also a CFP which is a certified financial planner and I am here with my next guest um, Summer Jones hi yeah thanks so much for and having tell me, me where you came Barbara. up with the name you know Dow
2: Jones's daughter <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love it okay so tell me a little bit about yourself how old are you so I am 30 years old I work for a major corporation in sales and I live in New York City. Wonderful. Okay. So with sales, because I used to be a salesperson, that usually means that you, um, and sometimes you work on all commission. sometimes you have a salary. So I think you were telling me before we got started that you have salary and commission? Yep, that's right. So
2: our salary and our commission is split 50-50 exactly.
1: Perfect. Okay. So what are you making? um, Your base salary seems like it went up last year. You made about 85 and you got a a jump already for this year yeah so my base will be 100 great and then my
2: OTE would be another 100k so 200k combination
1: perfect total but you could do more than that right being a salesperson exactly so this past year did around
2: with a lower base and a lower comp structure if I'm not wrong, did about 307,000. That's fantastic. So, so you totally crushed your numbers. Yeah, exactly. Very exciting stuff.
1: So as a as a salesperson myself, um, a lot of people are always scared to have jobs where they're paid based on what they're doing. But I think it's a great structure because the harder you work and the more you do, the more you get paid.
2: I couldn't agree more with you. And it makes you work extremely hard because you have the sky's the limit you can do whatever you want really and um, make extremely great money doing it yeah absolutely and it's nice that you have a base yes absolutely so worst comes to worst you have one bad month you're still doing okay
1: yeah so that you know you can cover rent and the necessities because a lot of a lot of the sales jobs and at some point it might not even make sense to have a base because you get more upside on, the, on the, the commission but it's nice that you have a combo so what should we be targeting so we know what to budget? So what? how do you do your budget now? Do you have a budget? How do you do this given that you have a base and then your commissions? Are your commissions paid on a monthly basis, quarterly, annually? They're actually
2: paid on a monthly basis. The way I do budgeting today. Or actually, I let's don't... be honest. Do you budget? No, I don't. That's what I was going to tell you is like, okay. I don't budget. So I know that about – third of my entire month goes to rent so and that's really just on my base I know that that's
1: that's fantastic typical. though considering what you're bringing in as your total comp that you're putting a th- so so what's your so break that down what is your rent a month that's a rent a month as 1875
2: 1875
1: yeah so then Girl, then you have utilities- one of the cheapest rents yeah that's fantastic and that being said that's for New York City that's great okay so you're, you're pretty conservative with your rent spend for what percentage of your income it is. Yeah, absolutely. Good. But so overall, you don't really budget. You just kind of wing it? Yes. Oh, yes. I like to shop. I okay. like to shop. Okay. good. <laughs> so let's go over kind of – so we have an idea of what – what are you bringing in then um, – where you where is your average monthly and this isn't going to be exact because as you said you get paid monthly for commissions but what are you working with on a net number monthly
2: so because i am working on enterprise accounts it's better for realistically me to calculate it on a quarterly basis sure um but you know cuz it can be a range between sometimes i'll make a check of 60,000 sometimes zero Right. So average, I want to say it's about twenty five thousand a month. Twenty five thousand a month, okay.
1: And that's and that's a good conservative number for where you think you're going to be this year, right?
2: Oh yeah, yeah yeah. That's that's highly conservative.
1: Okay, because what what are you targeting for your total comp if you hit all your numbers? Or what? I'm thinking it's going to be about five hundred and fifty k. Okay, six hundred k is what we'll end at for the year. For the year, okay. So yeah, twenty five thousand monthly is a A reasonable number so after you have you pay rent you have a lot of wiggle room do you have except for just
2: the problem becomes the taxing the taxing at 40 percent.
1: yeah you're gonna and so when they pay you your commissions they take your taxes out correct correct yeah so you you have um it set up with them so that when you get your uh, monthly commissions that that's an after-tax check yep and are you paying estimated taxes though No, no, because the company's been pretty good about taking out the correct amount, right? Correct, correct. Okay, good. That's And last
2: year when I did uh, my taxes, I ended up getting
1: a couple thousand back.
2: Oh, good. Okay, probably because of how you're
1: claiming with work. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, so yeah, a big thing for you is going to definitely be taxes and then making sure that your money's going to the right places. So in terms of debt, do you have any, do you have credit card debt or student loan debt? No student loan debt. The only
2: credit card debt I have is about just spread between three credit cards about $7,000.
1: Okay.
2: I just like to keep it at a certain number so that um for my own credit score.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I would recommend you pay it off on a monthly basis. Yes, absolutely. Okay, great. As long as you can make you can use it for the points and the benefits and and the convenience, but I would always recommend paying it off monthly. Okay, great. And you'll still okay. have a good uh, credit score, and you can track it. Some of the credit cards give you your FICO score, or you can even check on Credit Karma. It'll give you an approximate of what, you know, they don't use FICO, but they use something similar, but you'll still have a good credit score, even if you pay it all off, because one of the things they look at is your credit utilization, and so even though you're not going to be utilizing as much of the outstanding debt, so having it paid off and making those regular payments will will help your credit. Okay. So right. I would totally take care of that. And then that way, um, you don't have to worry about that. And then so no do that that's right fantastic. Now. And then let's take a look at what you're doing for savings. Cause what's the rest of your budget? So after rent, you have food, utilities. Yes. Food, utilities, um, gym membership, shopping
2: habits. Shopping so habit. Is that so the biggest far. one? That is absolutely the biggest one. And living in New York City, you know, it's expensive going out. Um, I don't know how much more you know, how how much longer you get to go out every single night if you want to. So I like to enjoy my life and go out and go travel and such too. So
1: Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I think the key is gonna be let's see. So one of the biggest things you can do for taxes is gonna be to make sure that you're in since you work for a major corporation you're gonna have a four hundred one K is to make sure that you are maxing out your four oh one K. So doing so for two thousand nineteen you can put in 19,000 okay so I would say and people have different opinions on this but here's what I would do with your 401k Um, and we had talked a little bit about this pre our call but some 401ks allow for you to do non-deductible contributions which means that you can max out the pre-tax contribution of 19,000 it looks like your employer will match six percent so if you have a base salary of 100,000 that will be 6,000 um That'll get 19000 off the table from the tax man. Not a big percentage of your what your total comp is, but it's definitely better than nothing. Sure. And then from there, we can investigate as whether or not your 401k allows for non-deductible contributions and then maybe put money in after you do your pre-tax amount as well and potentially maybe convert that over. Okay. That would be another way to get money into the Roth rather than doing it and splitting it of Roth and pre-tax. So take advantage of the full pre-tax amount in the 401k and then try and use a non-deductible and conversion strategy for the rest of the monies allowed. Because um, I believe it would I the have divine... a question
2: on that. What? I've, yeah. I've, I have a quick question for you on that. So I was told, and you can correct me on this, of course, that it would make a lot of sense for me to do Post-tax, given the fact that you never really know how much you'll be taxed later down the road. And this was directly from an accountant that I spoke with. So what, I'd love to understand sort of your viewpoint of post, you know, the pre-Roth IRA versus post and why I would want to maybe do it all in one category versus the other?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a, a really great um, question. So the reason why, if we can do this, and we'll have to do a little bit of legwork off off the show, but if you're able to, let's just say, if we do quick math on your 401k, and you do $19,000, you max out the full pre-tax, and then your company adds in six, that brings you to 25. I believe the overall defined... Um, benefit limitation for 2019 is going to be 56,000. So let's just say we dump another 20,000 in there non-deductible meaning after tax, but immediately convert it over to a Roth using a backdoor Roth conversion. Then okay. that would allow us to get 25,000 in with including your company matched in the pre-tax option and then get 20,000 in as a Roth. Okay. It, you know, that's only if it's available, right? So we have to look at your plan document. So the 401k is actually the section of the IRC code that outlines what is allowed and not allowed, but every specific company has a plan document that has even more rules and regulations about how and what they're going to allow for their plan. So whoever oversee whoever oversees your 401k will be able to tell us whether or not you're allowed to do, what we need to find out is if you can do a non-deductible contribu- contribution and if it allows for in-plan Roth conversions.
2: Okay, great. So-, so- so and, um, and that's and that's that why that the accountant
1: information. In I like that when they they tell you to think about it, but there is never really a right or wrong. And right now, if your income is going to be five hundred thousand dollars or greater for the year of two thousand and nineteen, you are going to be in the highest bra- federal bracket there is, and you're also going to have to pay New York City and New York State as well. So my thought for you is you're going to be at a federal rate for, of 37, 37% plus Fed and State. So if you just think about it, it's like you're going to lose roughly, let's say, 50% of every dollar that you take out, right? So my thought yeah. is, could you potentially be in a higher bracket in the future for retirement? 100%. We don't have, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know. But for right now, when you're living in New York City and you're losing 50% of it to all the taxes that you're paying, I think you're better off with the pre-tax option.
2: Okay. Okay, great. So that makes a lot of sense. Does that make sense? If you
1: were were in a lower bracket, like for people that I have that I work with who are in like a 12% bracket or maybe a 22% bracket, I think then there can be an argument for why you would want to do some Roth as well. The thing is, you can't do Roth outside of your work. You can't do it on your own like a lot of people can because your income's too high. So I think what we need to investigate is if this loophole is available for you because then we can do both things. We can maximize your 401k pre-tax contribution and get all of that money and save you the 50%. And then we could still get you some Roth money by being strategic and taking advantage of the loophole if it's available. Okay, great. If it's not available, we'll come up with a new game plan.
2: (laughs) Okay, great. So... That's something that would be wonderful for us to look into.
1: Yep, absolutely. Um, Some plans, I mean, not all plans offer it, but it's worth having a phone call, and we're probably going to have to have a couple because usually the first person we get doesn't know what we're talking about. Um, Okay. But, and then for those of the people that are listening, before you do a Roth conversion strategy, you most certainly want to coordinate with an accountant. They're complicated strategies, and they have to be done correctly so that you don't run into any problems. So when Summer does this, we will make sure that she coordinates – if it's available with her accountant that's our disclaimer great
2: that sounds
1: great (laughs) but even if it's not I would still probably my recommendation would still probably be to do 100 percent pre-tax just do you think you'll be living in New York City when you retire I mean that's a crazy question right because it's so far away potentially I I love it
2: here I don't know if I'll ever move
1: (laughs) (laughs) so then if if that's the case you'll probably always have a tax problem but I think I would I would lean towards the size of taking the the tax when you can just with that with that tax bracket that you're in. But we'll okay. see if we can if we can find this loophole for you. Okay, great. That sounds great.
2: Okay, Maybe so we'll, we'll take
1: advantage of that.
2: Show and uh, talk. We can talk through what it ended
1: up, what ended up happening. Well, yeah, we can do a follow up. Absolutely. Yeah, you'll be one of our. We're doing follow ups from last year, so you'll definitely be one of our follow ups for two thousand for next year. Perfect. So we'll that we'll take. I'm gonna give myself a little homework. So we'll take that offline and see if we can figure out if you can do the non-deductible and in-plan conversions for your four hundred one k. Perfect. And just stop me if I'm using any words that you don't understand. I will, and I'm actually writing this down too. Okay. So what we're gonna look for is a non-deductible, which means after-tax contribution into your four hundred one k, which is in excess of your pre-tax contribution and then also see if they allow for an in-plan conversion. And there's a couple of tricks with Roth conversions. Uh, One of them is the pro rata rule, but you don't have any outside IRAs, right? No. Perfect. So that makes it much easier. So what else in terms- Could you
2: tell me a little bit about what an IRA is? Because I have the the option to-
1: Yeah, absolutely. I keep getting
2: about information on that, so I would love to understand that a little bit further.
1: Sure. An IRA is an individual retirement account- And so what they are is when you set them up yourself. So a 401k is a retirement account for a corporation, usually a public, not always a publicly traded, but usually some sort of corporation. It's very common if you work for a big big major corporation that you have a 401k at work. And then, if you work for a government, it's different. If you work for a nonprofit, it's a different name. An IRA is a retirement account that any individual can set up as long as you have earned income, which is W-2 wages. And there's limitations on it. So you have to be... Um, depending on your age is your allowable contribution. So for 2019, I'll have to check the numbers, but I believe it's, it moved up. Actually, I think my assistant emailed me the 2019 numbers, but it's approximately, it's a much smaller amount um, than you would, than you're allowed for a 401k. So for an IRA, the maximum is 6,000 for those over 50, and i believe it's going to be yeah and if you're over 50 you can do an additional 1000 so you can do 7000 so it's 6000 for 2019 for an ira contribution but that being said since you have your workplace plan and you're going to max it out that's your best option for pre-tax retirement monies okay great yep so you don't have to worry about an ira okay and I'm going to have Alex cut this part out, but I'm pretty sure with your income, you'll be restricted from doing it anyway because you're 100% you're active in your workplace plan. Yeah. A lot of the time, it's meant for people who don't have an active workplace plan so that they have some mechanism to save for retirement. Okay. For, for lower income earners, um, they're allowed to do their pre-tax at work. And then if they're below a certain income threshold, which you're going to be above even with your base – um, you would then be allowed to also do a Roth IRA outside of work. All but right. yeah, if you if you make more money, you just have to be a bit more strategic because those things are not going to be available to you, and that's fine. Right. No, totally. Yeah, there's other things you can do to defer taxes and so forth. Which but, we need to figure out how to do. Yeah. <laughs> so the first thing is to do is we got to investigate your 401k and make sure that you're taking advantage of all the, the benefits of the 401k. The next part is, do you have an employee stock purchase plan? Yes, I do. Okay, great. And are you participating in that? I am. Yep, great. And what percentage are you putting in there? Do you know? Let me pull that up right now and tell you. I sure. just changed my contribution. So, just for the listeners, an employee stock purchase plan is where you are al- it's a where you are allowed to go in and buy company stock through payroll so they organize it for you and you buy it at a discount. And the nice thing about it is since it's bought through payroll, you buy it at multiple different prices so you're you're buying it frequently.
2: So today, I actually contribute eleven percent of each paycheck to my employee stock purchasing plan.
1: Eleven percent of every paycheck. Yep. And do you know how much you have in there now?
2: I apologize. I changed it from eleven to twelve percent. So oh, that's okay. Twelve um, percent of each paycheck. So right now, I have exactly.
1: Oh, I have it. because um, you sent 48, me forty-eight over... thousand. So you have forty-three. Oh, sorry.
2: Forty-three. 43,800. Okay,
1: 43,000 in your stock purchase plan, and then you have 48,000 in the 401k. Correct. Perfect. Good. So you're doing that. And do they give you any other um, saving options at work besides the employee stock purchase plan and the 401k? Sometimes they offer, this is a word I'm sure no one's heard, but a rabbi trust or any sort of deferred compensation.
2: You know, I don't think so, but. I can do more digging on it and we can follow up on that too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it would be worth taking a, or calling HR and finding out if there's any other savings program um, through work. Um, the some- couple
2: that I see that I can tell you, there's an in- income protection and group life insurance. There's 401k savings, ESPP health savings account, and then flexible spending accounts. So those are the ones that are available to us.
1: Okay. We want to just make sure that you're taking um, advantage of everything that they offer. So definitely want to do. Um, so with in terms of life insurance, do you have life insurance? You get usually standard. You get a certain multiple times your salary. Yep. Okay. And do you have any dependents? Do you? Let me take a look for you. No, no. Do you have it? Do you have anybody that you support? Oh yeah. No, I don't. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I um, don't. So here's another thing. So the nice thing about workplace plans is that as you're going over, as we're going over all your benefits, when you work for a big corporation, they usually have a really great offering in terms of benefits. It's, you know, there's pros and cons to large corporations. That's usually a benefit of a large corporation, one of the pros. Um, The thing with your life insurance through work is when you leave, it usually doesn't go with you. So you said you're 30 years old and since you have the income, um, this is just an option you might want to consider. You could consider getting yourself some um, term insurance. I'm a big fan of term. I'm not a big fan of whole life insurance and having your own policy just so that you get it when you're younger and you can afford it in your budget. Um, but to give you an idea, Summer, um, it's not that expensive, but you could lock in a policy now for, I did it to for my future family. If you're planning on getting married and having kids or you just want to have insurance Um I don't know, to take care of your parents or a sibling or something. God forbid something should happen to you. But you could get totally. two, $2 million of insurance for like, I think I'm paying 100 bucks a month.
2: Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So definitely something else I should look into. I have basic life and basic AD&D and it's two times the salary. So it comes up to about 400000
1: Yeah. And that's great. That I always call that the cherry... On top, you know, it's it's extra if God forbid something happens to you. And since I know I always recommend life insurance when you have dependents, so whether that's a spouse or a partner or a child, but you know, somebody that's relying on you. But that being said, since you can afford an extra hundred bucks in your budget, it would make sense because you're young and you're healthy to lock in a policy now so that you don't need to go get it later on when you're older and there could potentially Absolutely. be something. And then that way it stays with you. So when you leave, if you leave this company and get another sales job at another company, you don't then have to go now get insurance or rely on the new company for insurance.
2: And what happens if I were to get it in a few years from now? Does it potentially reduce from maybe a $2 million plan down to $1.5?
1: How does that work? So the way it works is you determine exactly what amount you want. So I picked $2 million because I figured I needed a million to cover the loan on my business. And then I figured I would need a million for my future husband and children who have yet to materialize. (laughs) So I I bought my insurance, no joke, five years ago. I am still single, but I bought it five years ago because I could afford it in my budget. And I figured if I was going to go get a million dollars to cover the business, I might as well, I don't want to go through this twice. I'd rather get one policy and have everything covered that I need. So I covered the business and then I covered, I figured a million dollars for my future kids and potential husband or maybe no husband and just kids or whatever it was but then that way I got it done before I turned 30 because it was cheaper so you can do it now or you could do it in two years when you do it in two years you're going to be two years older so it's just going to be more it'll be a little bit more expensive
2: okay got it got it that makes sense
1: yeah so the only reason I'm saying to do it now for you and I don't always recommend I typically don't recommend it for single people but you can afford it in your budget absolutely so it makes sense for me to start doing that now so I think it makes sense for you to figure out what you would like if you're planning on getting married planning on having a family or or, you know think about what your future needs are and just say I'm going to get it squared away now while I have while I'm young and can get a better rate and lock in my rate younger because I can afford the extra hundred bucks a month or whatever it is absolutely because if you need more you can always try and go get more insurance down the road or you could always reduce it also Okay. Wonderful. So the way well, to that's think definitely of something to and you think that,
2: and that's term insurance. I correct? would only
1: do term insurance. I mean, with your income, I'd be very careful to talk to an insurance person because they are going to see money in their eyes and they're going to want to sell you a whole life policy because it's going to pay them a ton of money. Sure. So I would, I would just do it online. It's really cheap. And I would just figure out like how, how much insurance you think you're going to need in the future. So you know what your income is and you, you could say like, okay, I want to have three kids and you know, a house or whatever, and you would probably want to have it anyway down the road because I'm going to talk to you about maybe buying a home. Yes, absolutely. That is the goal. So at that point, so yeah, and just so the listeners understand why I'm recommending it, life insurance to you, not to somebody else, but you can afford it in your budget and you're 30. And if you're planning on getting married and having kids, do you want kids? Which I would love to have them, but you know, who knows what the future holds. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I clearly predict it wrong. <laughs> so now my parents are just getting more money.
2: <laughs> Very nice. But, Very but that nice way you them, could huh? at
1: least lock in because you're younger, you would get a, a lower premium and lock it in. And then if you need to adjust in the future, you have that flexibility, hopefully, right? Because the thing with insurance is they only want to really insure healthy people. Absolutely. Right. So while I'm healthy. While you're healthy and you're young and you can afford it, I would just go lock in a policy.
2: Absolutely. That makes sense. Yeah. Do you recommend a specific group to use?
1: Um, I would just go online um, and look and see. You can a lot of this stuff you can do with term. It's really straightforward. It's pure insurance. So you're going to pay. You want to get level term. So you want to figure out what you think your future family would need, Um, and then I would shop it around and see what you get the best price for. Okay, great. Yeah, and they're going to they're they're going to give you a quote. They'll they'll have to do um health exam on you to make sure that you are healthy and they'll talk to your doctors and so forth. So you want to be wary that. I'll tell you a quick funny story. My sister and I were having lunch somewhere and the table next to us was talking and I guess, I think they had um, matcha tea or something. Not matcha. Um, what's the tea in Argentina that has cocaine in it? Oh. Um, um, yeah, and it matcha? helps you, and it helps you with... <laughs> Um, and I don't know if this is true or this guy was just lying, but it helps you with, like, altitude sickness and everything, but supposedly yeah. has cocaine in it.
2: Oh, boy. Okay, so what we're saying is... So what we're saying don't is... Don't do anything before you go see your doctor. No,
1: yeah, so before you get your health exam, you want to make sure there's nothing in your system that could get you in trouble. Absolutely. Because then you'll get absolutely. rejected, and then you that will be pulled from any other insurance company that goes if you then get rejected by one it's going to be in on your in your history okay great so it's a good good story my sister and I were were laughing because it was like two people they were setting up a business so the wife had to go get the insurance instead or something but my sister and I were like oh that tea we know that tea oh my goodness so yeah but I would say that that would be something I would do just because you have the income and you're young and then I would the only way to figure out the amount is just to predict what you think you're going to need the other way to do it is take your income times the number of years you want to cover for the risk, but you don't have any risk right now. So I would right. I would urge you to do it the way I did it, which is figure out what you think your future family is going to need and and what you want to throw at it. Because it's once you hit the time frame, so let's say you do it for 30 years, so you cover yourself from now until 60, if you don't die, which we hope it doesn't happen, at the end of 30 years, you don't get anything for it. And that's what you want, right? We want to hope that you're healthy in 60 years and you didn't need the insurance. Exactly. Yep. And then it's exactly if, so that so I would look into that and I would do that online and it's level term, level term yep. all over it. I've
2: okay, so we got, got the 401k.
1: We're gonna do you're gonna continue doing the stock employee stock purchase plan. You're gonna just I would just give a quick call to HR and see if there's any other deferred compensation options just to see. Sometimes you have to hit certain income levels, like you have to be over 400000 before they're available, something like that. So I would just give them a quick call and find out if there's any other deferred comp at your company. Uh, The next thing I would do is look for a level term life insurance plan. and Just get that in place while you're young and healthy. I would do between 20 and 30 years. It's up to you. 20 years will obviously get you to 50, 30 years... We'll get you to sixty. Will be a little bit more expensive. So,
2: could you explain that a little bit further? Sure. So, let's say I do thirty years. That gets me to sixty. What happens at sixty?
1: Nothing. If you're still here, nothing happens. The insurance money keeps all. The insurance company keeps all the money you paid them for the thirty years.
2: And it then just, I have to create a new plan.
1: Well, at that point, if you follow, if we come up with a really good strategy for you, at that point you'll be self-insured, meaning that you'll have a really good net worth and you won't have any need for insurance. Okay, got it. The way to think about it is: Do you think Bill Gates has life insurance? No. No, because if he passes away, there's no financial tragedy. That's true. I know. So at that, that point, true. after 30 years and you save money and you're in the 401k and you do the employee stock purchase plan and we have you buy a home and we have you save more money in other investments, you shouldn't need insurance at that point. Okay, that makes sense. And if you do, let's say for whatever reason you want to keep a policy – most level term, most term policies always allow a provision for you to convert it to a permanent policy in the last year. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, got it. Yeah. And you, and if you were to convert it, the the insurance person, which they're going to tell you, um, it's going to be very expensive because you're now 60 years old, not 30 years old, and it's now a permanent policy, not a temporary policy. But that being said, let's say you do $2 million and at age 60, you only really want 200000 Well, then you would drop it down to a $200,000 permanent policy at that point. Okay, got it. So what I'm trying to do here for you, because you have really good income and you have, you know, we'll say you have no debt because you could get the credit cards paid off in one month, is you want to make sure that you're using all the different vehicles that you have at your disposal the best way, the most efficient way, and the most strategic way for you, and that we're giving you optionality, right? So getting life insurance now while you're young and healthy is giving you optionality, right? It's giving you more control.
2: Absolutely. Okay. And why, why is that? Why do you think that getting like, I'm just, I guess I'm a little bit stuck on the life insurance piece, having that early, why does that give me more options per se?
1: Because then God forbid you need it down the road. You're not going to try and get it when you leave a major corporation or now. So, cause what I see happen, right? Is you have a high stress job where you're going to be really busy with work. Cause obviously you don't get paid this for a nine to five job, right? True. So let's true. say fast forward three years, you get married, you have your first baby, and then you decide you're going to leave work and you assume the insurance is coming with you. Well, now at this point, and you, let's say you've saved enough money, you're going to take a year off. At this point now, you don't have any insurance and you're three years older or four years older and now you need to go for it. And God forbid something happens. In this time frame, yeah. Right. So this is – and I only would recommend it because you can afford 100 bucks a month to pick up some term insurance. I would just right. say, for me, for peace of mind, I would just lock it in now while you know you're healthy and you can afford it. If I was talking to somebody who was struggling to get by and has credit card debt and student loan debt, I would have them focus on paying that off because if they pass away, the debt's just going to get, for the most part, mostly. Yeah. Totally. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Yep. And so I wouldn't go – like, mine's 100 bucks a month for $2 million. Maybe get – I don't know, a $500,000 policy or a million. But then that way when you go, if you do want to have the family down the road, then that way you already have something in place. Yeah, absolutely. Because typically what I do when you don't – but you have so much wiggle room in your budget, what I do for most people will say once you have a dependent or you buy a property or something to that nature, then you need to go get it. But absolutely once you have a dependent, so once you have a child. But typically what happens is people get pregnant, then they're like, oh, shit, we need life insurance. As a pregnant woman, you can't get life insurance. Yeah. You I have to that's wait. a lot of times. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So because you have the wiggle room, I'm recommending you do it in advance. Yep. Okay. That makes sense. Unless Thank you, you for... said to me, I'm never going to have kids. I never want to have a partner. I don't care. <laughs>
2: right. Which isn't the case, but it could it could end up happening that way.
1: And so... it could. And you could say in 10 years when you're 40, be like, look, I'm never, I'm never getting married. I'm never going to have a partner and I'm not having kids. Like, I don't need the life insurance. And then you can get rid of it. Yep. But it's harder to go get it at 40. Yeah, totally. So that's why I'm doing that. And then the next thing is we need to talk about your savings. I know. <laughs> Don't say it's so sad.
2: Uh, we, it'll. We can, you know, we have room to change,
1: room to grow. Yeah, room right? to grow. It's new year, exactly. new you. Exactly, new year, new year, new me. So you have a really modest budget in terms of your necessary spend with rent and utilities considering <laughs> you're living in New York City um, and you're spending – from what you told me (laughs) about, um, 6,000 a month after that. Yes. So you, but you still have like an extra 10,000 a month. Do you have an emergency fund account? Do I have a, what was that emergency fund? I do. I mean, I have about
2: 22,000 saved away there, but that's not enough for a real emergency right? So that's something that I'd like to increase on a monthly basis and put more away.
1: Yeah, I think that if you got that up, I mean, you're that's a really I, I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit. I think that's a really good amount because if you're spending let's say 8,000 a month, you know, you have almost 4 months worth. I would try to get to 6 just cuz you can do it. Okay. So I'd bump yeah. that up just a smidge just so that you have that in cash and Everyone always seems to hate the emergency fund because it's in cash, not making money, but that's what it's supposed to do. It's serving its purpose. It's doing exactly what we want it to. And then Absolutely. from there, I think that your next step would be either one of two things. I think you should increase your overall savings, and you can do that outside of your employee stock purchase in 401k. And that would be just general savings you could do in an investment account. Or are you interested in buying a home? I am. I'm very interested. Okay, because in and, and, and New York City, that's going to be quite a big down payment. Right. But you could totally tuck that away, and that would give you a little bit of a write-off by owning a home. Not a lot, but yeah. a little.
2: And I was thinking about doing it maybe more of a vacation home Ooh. somewhere, yeah, so that we can all run away for <laughs> weekends and go to the beach or something of that nature and then rent it on other parts of the month when um, I'm not using it. So. so
1: I love that idea because then for you, that gives you another source of income. Yeah, exactly. And it also That's gives you – That's something I've been really thinking about. Yeah, and it gives you another – it gives you a different type of investment. Um, so what I would – if I were you, I would get your emergency fund up to – let's see here – probably try and get that to like 30000 because you're spending, what, about 8000 a month? Right. So – I would try. I would start to get it to thirty, maybe forty thousand, just in cash. I know that seems like a lot, but that will get you through. Because you could scrimp a little if you needed to. Yeah. If totally. you if you spend if you, a little less. Yeah, you could spend a little, a little less little if more. there was an emergency. So that would definitely cover. I think six months if you cut back a little. Yeah. So I would get that to thirty to forty, which you can easily do, so that you have that in cash. And then my next, I I would say my next goal for you is I would try and save a hundred thousand dollars in cash, so that you could use that for a down payment. On vacation, huh? And
2: maybe what we can do is kind of think about ways that that would be
1: that I could do that where I don't even have access to that money. You know? So, so that you bring up a really good point. A lot of it is out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. And so what I recommend for that is that with that savings account that that is an auto um, auto debit and that it comes out of your account every time you get paid. So monthly. And that it's totally separate from your checking and your your emergency fund and it's in a totally different
2: bank maybe totally different
1: two. yeah banks so that you don't have access to it because i think that's key that it's out of sight out of mind what's a good bank that you would
2: today i use chase do you have any suggestions on and you know a good well i think for, or can for... i even do it where it's maybe set up separately but the problem is the views are all the same and then i see it and i can transfer it <laughs>
1: We have to put it in someone else's name. No, I'm just kidding.
2: Right? <laughs> it's terrible.
1: Um, so I think what you need to do is, uh, what I do at least, is I use a couple of different accounts um, that are online only. And so I don't see them when I go to log in to my regular checking and savings. So I have an overdraft savings account linked to my checking, and that's just there for emergencies. Then I have a totally separate emergency fund that I literally never check, and I'm pretty sure it's still at the same amount, but that's just for pure emergencies, but it's out of sight, out of mind, so that I don't ever – I've literally never touched it. Even when I started the business and, like, maxed out three cards, I never touched it. Like, I never go below a certain limit in that. Okay. Um, and then I have another online app called Digit that I really like, um, and then I keep some money in Venmo. So I kind of am, like, a little bit of a squirrel and hide my money everywhere because I'm like you, I need it out of sight. Yep. So I would pick maybe an online bank. The online banks tend to be harder to access because it's like three days to transfer to your regular bank. So I would do another bank and I would obviously have the app so you can log in and check it. But I wouldn't, I would really try not to look at it. And I would, and I also think it helps when you title the accounts, at least that does for me. Like if I title what it's for. Yeah. So if you title it house fund or vacation house fund. Absolutely. But I don't think you'll have any issue... If you're if you're bringing in twenty five thousand a month after after all your savings with work and then you're spending eight I mean, you should be able to easily put away a hundred thousand or hundred and twenty five thousand this year. But so
2: here's the thing. So let's say we do twenty five, thousand, right? Yeah. And that's over just, and I guess I should have, calculated out the tax on that. Mm-hmm. So realistically what it comes out to is like about eighteen or seventeen thousand like fifteen thousand probably right after taxes.
1: No well because I'm getting
2: taxed almost at fifty percent.
1: Well so if you end up doing five hundred thousand this year Right right. and a
2: hundred thousand of it would be
1: base. Yeah. So not taxed at the highest bracket. So not taxed at the highest bracket, but the com- the commission is still taxed as w2, no? Yes. So that works out to be if you end up making 500, that ends up to be a gross number of 41,000. So I think that you should still probably pull in give or take, so maybe not every month right, because there'll be months that are higher, but you should still at 41, even if you get taxed at fi- if you end up getting taxed total at 50 percent, you'd bring in 20,000 net. Okay. So why don't we use a number of 20,000 monthly or even Absolutely. or we can even say 17 because you have to take into consideration that you're going to be putting money into the employee stock purchase plan and the 401k. Yep. So let's say then you have 9,000 left over monthly after 6,000 for spending and then 2,000 for rent and utilities. So what I would do is every month I would try maybe we you could automate it and do just to give yourself some wiggle room, but Spend put six thousand over, and then just monitor it and see if you have any extra every month. You know, if you have a bigger month. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, but I would target between do I would I would try and target, you know, between now and the end of the year. I would I would definitely try and target a hundred thousand. I think you can easily save that with your income. Okay. Yeah. So that does that make sense? It does. And then that way, you, the you're actually because I think the. Hard thing about a sales job is it's a really intense work schedule, right? Yep. And you're working really long hours and it's that work hard play hard thing. So it's easy to not have like to not be disciplined on the savings cuz you're always working towards the next sales number. Exactly exactly yeah and so the way um this is the way my dad explained it to me my dad's like this you're because I used to have a sales job at an investment bank and you get used to having everyone around you making this type of money and my dad's like this is you're in the all-stars like he's like you're in the majors if you were to compare it to baseball and while you're there it's great and you're going to make a ton of money but it's it might not always be your normal and so you want to try and take as much away from it from a financial standpoint as you can Totally. And if it absolutely. is your always, if it is your norm and you always make this much or you continue to make more, that's fantastic. But protect yourself on the downside that you stock away enough of it so that you're in a really good position if you don't always hit your numbers or you don't always get this comp. Totally. You're absolutely right. Yeah, That's the way my dad taught me. <laughs> yep. Yep. Because what, what would be a terrible situation, not to say this would happen, but you don't want to have these opportunities and then not you know have a really great up op- you want to enjoy yourself but you can absolutely enjoy yourself and still save but you don't ever want to walk away from it or even if you decide you're burnt out because you might burn out and want to take a year off you want to have that control totally and have that savings to yeah and have, have that, that cushion savings cushion to say you me. know what i busted my butt and i made a ton of money for 5 years and i but i didn't get a you know i didn't have a lot of my own free time or i didn't have whatever you know that balance because you don't get that when you're getting paid this type of money but then you have the right. control to say you know what i have $250,000 saved besides my retirement i'm gonna take a year off and just enjoy myself do you think within my age group i'm on track for doing pr- pretty
2: okay thus far or I, I think given your
1: us? your income you can you could definitely ratchet up your savings i think okay. i w- if i think by the end of the year we should see you with somewhere like 130 in in savings outside and of your you 401k okay because how long have you been there for 3 years. Okay. So I think it's super important, you know, as my dad was saying that you don't always get these opportunities to make this type of money and they, you know, I hope it's your normal and I hope it continues, but I'd love to see you have more money set aside to protect yourself. Um how long have you been at this level? At this level specifically, I've been here for about a year. Okay. And then where did you start with them? I started on the 800
2: lines actually. You started at customer I, service? I started on the 800 lines qualifying leads. Not so much customer service, but Hi, thanks so much for calling XYZ Company. How can I help you? Oh my um, god, are you serious? Yeah. That's amazing. To, exactly. Yeah.
1: That's an incredible yeah. story.
2: Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um and I worked extremely hard and moved up and What was your first salary? A, oh, I want to say my first year I made like 70,000 maybe 73,000.
1: That's fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Cool. So we'll oh, so we'll circle back for the pod. I'm going to wrap it up because I feel like we talked about a lot of high-level stuff today. So we went over employee stock purchase plans, 401ks, and the availability to do potentially non-deductible contributions. Our friend here, Summer Jones, the daughter of Dow Jones, is going to talk to HR to see if there's any other deferred compensation now that her her total comp at her major corporation has increased. And she's also going to look into level term because she's young and healthy and maybe wants a family in the future. Um and we will do some homework and digging on this side here um, offline about if we can get you into that, if there is non-deductible contributions in your 401k and if they also allow in plan conversions. And for our listeners, please check out our online classes. We're launching our newest one on tackling your student loans. And you can find our online classes at www.planancial.com. And as always, check us out on Instagram. And if you like our podcast, please let us know.